Come on, man. What a good night. Amen. And I'm just uh, so pumped to be here. So excited to experience this stuff with you. Anybody having a good summer so far? Come on. How many of you gotten stuck in some ridiculous traffic on the way over here because of the power? Power went out. Someone said it took them an hour and like an hour and 15 minutes to go 20 minutes. That's ridiculous. But you're here. You're the proud. You're the faithful. Way to go. Turn to the person next to you. Say, I'm so glad you came tonight. <laughs> hey, uh, man, I'm going to get right into it. we got a lot to cover tonight, but we've been in this series for the past few weeks, and we're calling it Table Talks, Discovering Your Calling. And so our desire is really just to have kind of a coffee shop table conversation about your calling in life. What has God called you to? We understand the difficulty around this of wondering, man, what, what is my purpose in life what has God called me to? I hear in church all the time that God has a unique purpose, but let's just be honest, I don't know what that is, and so how do we kind of navigate through that, uh, that difficulty? And so our desire and my desire has just been to kind of have these conversations, and like I've been saying uh, all series, I don't have answers for you, uh, but I have clues, and so I hope that you'll take these clues and apply them to your own life, and uh, we've been searching through and studying the, the story of Moses, and uh, I, love the, I love the guy. He's a great guy. You know, what a guy, Moses. This guy, Moses, he's awesome. And so we've been studying that. But tonight we're going to get into the next clue that I think is important. But here's, here's why we're having the conversation. Because there seems to be now, maybe perhaps more than ever, there seems to be a deep-seated uncertainty about the direction of our lives for young people. And much of that has to do with the fact that you have so many options. You have unlimited options of what you could do with your life. But there seems to just be, more than ever, a deep-seated uncertainty about what, what am I going to do with my life? And then you add on to that the spiritual element, what does God want me to do with my life? And it's just a giant question mark a lot of times on young adults that get out of high school. They're supposed to be going after what they want to do. And so many of us, even myself when I was your age, struggled with what am I supposed to do with my life? And this series is an invitation to believe that God has been organizing and orchestrating everything in your life for a unique purpose. For a unique purpose. It's an invitation to embrace that God desires each of our lives to have unique significance. To have unique significance. It's an invitation to believe that God gives us clues as to what our unique purpose and what our unique significance is in this life. And he gives us these to add clarity to our calling to add clarity to our calling. And so he's hitting kind of different aspects of where he's calling us in our history. We talked uh, in the first week, we talked about how your calling is tied to your history. Take a look back on your family, your background, how you grew up, that kind of stuff. Your calling is tied to your history. And then last week, we talked about how your calling is tied to your, anybody remember? Your personality. Anybody go home and take a personality test after that? Not really. You didn't have to because we pretty much took it here, right? It was the Myers-Briggs test. And uh, I heard a lot of people talking about it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, maybe you learned something about your personality on that night. But tonight, I want to talk about uh, two things that could be kind of their own week, uh, but I've decided to cram them into, t into one week because I feel like they kind of go together. And that's this. Your calling is tied to your intensity and your capacity. Your calling is tied to your intensity 
and to your capacity. And we're going to talk a lot tonight. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff. So if you're a note taker, get ready to write some stuff down. Maybe you can take this home and look over it later. But called to your intensity and your capacity. Another, another word for that is, is your calling is tied to your passion and your talents. Your calling is tied to your passion and your talents. I think if I could pick one, in this case, two things uh, to help you discover what your unique calling in life is uh, out of all the weeks that we're going to talk about, I think this is maybe the most important because it brings so much clarity and simplicity to it. It's tied to your intensity, your passion, and your capacity, your talents. You ready to talk about it? (laughs) Let's go for it. Let's talk first about your passion. We'll kind of break this up. We'll talk about passion first, then we'll talk about talents. Your calling is tied to your passions. God has placed a fire burning inside of you, a deep-seated intensity, a passion, a burning, a burden. God knows what he wants you to do and your destiny and your purpose, and he's wired you to light up at certain things. He's wired you specifically and uniquely to light up at certain things in life. And let me just say this. There are some versions of Christianity that like to downplay your passions, your desires in life. And I just want you to know that I believe personally that that's garbage. I think God has given you your desires in this life and your passion to point you to his calling on your life. They're there for a reason. I believe if we'll look at them, And start to think, why has God given me this? Maybe it has something to do with my purpose. Then we could walk more clearly and confidently in what he's called us to. So, we have a lot to cover tonight. But the first thing is this. We want to find purpose in our passion. So, I'm going to give you two things. Look within yourself. Look within yourself for passion that, number one, passion that is focused on the needs of others. Look within yourself to find passion that is focused on the needs of others. The reason why this is important is God wouldn't give you a passion connected to your calling that is completely self-indulged, narcissistic, and not affect anybody in life. God's desire is for your purpose to impact those around you. So your purpose in life, just go ahead and get it straight, your purpose is not to make a bunch of money. Everybody say, yeah, exactly. Ah, bummer, right? So God's design for your life, your purpose, isn't just to go get as wealthy as possible. Maybe that's a result of your purpose, but that's not your purpose in life. So look for passions that are focused on the needs of others. We've been studying uh, Moses in the book of Exodus. I want to read to you a passage that we actually read last week. I want to pull something a little bit different out of it. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. The story says this. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Now listen to this. Moses had a continual passion for justice. Moses had a passion for justice. Moses hated seeing people mistreated based on their nationality or who they were. He believed, apparently, in Scripture that we should all be treated equal. 
Moses' passion, Moses lit up, Moses had a fire inside of him to see justice. That was what was burning inside of him. Let me ask you this, what lights your fire? What is burning inside of you? Here, I would, ask, I would ask a few questions of yourself. Let me give you one. First one is this. What in this world makes you angry? When you lay your head down at night, hopefully you're not just always angry at something, you know. That's not good. But, but when you lay your head down at night, man, what, what just makes you angry? That, that, something that exists in this world, something that is going on. What makes you angry? Man, it's likely that God's given you a passion for that, and it's connected to your purpose. How about this? What makes you sad? All of a sudden, this message is turning like a super emotional thing. Let's talk about your feelings. What makes you angry? What makes you sad? But really, what makes you, what, I'll just go a step further. What makes you cry? What makes you sad? Can I tell you this? Some people are more burdened and upset about injustice than others. Some people are. And that's not something that we go, man, that person's wrong for not. No, maybe if that's you and you have that burning fire inside of you that God's given you that and it's connected to your purpose. Now, I think we should all have some level of it, right? But some people have God's given you a unique burning passion for that. And perhaps that's connected to your purpose. Some people, some people are more broken over the poverty in this world. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that we all aren't. It just means some people have more of a brokenness over that. And you know what? They want to do something about it. It's not just enough to be broken over it. I got to do something about it. If you find yourself trying to force yourself to get passionate about something, it may not be where you want to spend most of your time. I'm not saying that you shouldn't spend some time in that, but it may not be where you want to invest all your time in or the majority of your time. Because that's not the passion that God has put inside of you. I, uh, I have friends that have unique passion for missions, for global missions. I love them for it. I, I had a chance to, uh, a couple weeks ago, I got to have dinner with a buddy of mine, his brother, who was serving over in India with him and his wife and two kids, two little kids under the age of four. And the whole conversation, I just went, dude, I have so much respect for you. Because you have something inside of you. I just, I just don't have that. And call me, I guess, less spiritual or whatever you want. I really just believe it's not the passion that God's put inside of me. It is for him. At some point, he hit something in his life, and he said, I got to go do something about what's happening in India. And he took him and his whole family over there. It's a burning passion inside of him. That doesn't mean that I don't have a passion for missions, it doesn't mean that I don't care about other countries, right? And so uh, I've been been to Haiti and Romania and Russia and going to Kenya and that kind of thing. But I do that to remind me of what this world is like, to remind me that this world exists outside of my small little bubble here in the United States, and remind me that the gospel is relevant everywhere, and that the name of Jesus is needed everywhere. So it's not that I'm dismissing it altogether; it just means that that's not the burning passion inside of me. Does that make sense to you guys? So it would benefit you if you would ask the question, what is it that is burnt? What, what's, what's my passion? What is it that makes me angry? What is it that makes me sad? I was talking with someone last week who said that uh, when she was in college, she went on a mission trip, and she felt like there she received her calling that she needed to uh, teach and be a part of the education program with underprivileged 
young people, underprivileged kids. So on a mission trip overseas, I believe it was in Africa somewhere, uh, on a mission trip overseas, she felt like God was telling her that her calling in life was to help educate underprivileged kids. And so she came back and pursued a teaching degree in school, and now she's teaching in one of the most underprivileged counties in the South. And that's her calling in life. That's what she's doing. Man, that's awesome that God put that inside of her and it gave her direction. What in this world makes you rejoice? Not just what makes you sad, what makes you angry, what makes you rejoice? Look for a passion that focuses on the needs of others. God wouldn't give you a passion that was narcissistic and self-indulged. He would give you a passion that impacted the lives of other people. Second thing, look for a passion that will sustain through adversity. Look for a passion that will sustain through adversity. you got to hear me on this. A passionate calling is not void of perseverance. A passionate calling is not void of perseverance. Just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean that it won't ever get hard. Doesn't mean that it's going to be easy the whole time. I want to read you. There's this cool passage in the New Testament that actually talks about Moses. So we read in Exodus, the Old Testament, the story of Moses. Then we jump all the way into the New Testament, into Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says this. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Can you believe that? I just, want, I just want to stop right there. He chose rather to be mistreated along with the people of God. That was Moses. Consider what Moses' passion cost him. Cost him a lot. He was a ruler in Egypt with life made. But his passion drove him to do something that would cause a lot of perseverance, pain, and heartache. But it was his purpose. Your passion won't always be easy. I was, um, I was talking with a buddy of mine. He's a pastor here at the church. He was telling me about a conversation he had with a college student recently. And uh, he said the college student was going through kind of his journey through life, and he said that in his first year of college, he was going to the University of Georgia pursuing a degree, and then he said uh, after a year of pursuing this degree, it got really, really hard, as college does, right? It got really, really hard, and so he figured maybe this just isn't for me. So instead, he decided that maybe he should go into ministry, because that was the obvious choice. Go into ministry if you want to have an easy career, I guess. So he decided to go into ministry. So he pursues now, he goes to a Bible college, and he pursues a degree in Bible stuff to become a pastor. And he gets through a year of going after that, and guess what happens? He decides that it's just getting really, really hard. And so he leaves, and he enrolls into another university to pursue another career. And it took this guy eight years to get his bachelor's degree because everything he did just got really, really hard. Now, I understand that sometimes it takes a little time to discover what God's unique purpose and calling on your life is. And sometimes you can change majors. I understand that. But please don't let it be just because it got really, really tough. 
Because your passion is not void of perseverance. You will need passion to fulfill your calling, but you will also need perseverance. You will need it. And to think that just because I'm super passionate about this thing, it will all just come super easy because I like it and I'm passionate about it, that is a lie. And it will get you, I don't want to say nowhere, but maybe not a lot of places you want to go. You need passion, but you also need perseverance. I want to read to you an article uh, from a guy named Tim Elmore. He's kind of a, a leadership guru. He studies the generations and really spent a lot of time studying our generation, the millennial generation. And so I want to read to you just a little ex- excerpt from one of his uh, kind of posts that he does. And it's going to sting a little bit, okay? But I'm right there with you. I'm, in, I'm a millennial just like you guys are, okay? This is going to sting a little bit, but I think it, I think it adds to our conversation. Just nudge your neighbor and say, get ready. It's okay. He says this. He says, if you're like me, you've moaned under your breath, where is the long-term commitment in this generation of kids? I love that he calls us kids. What a jerk. (laughs) He says, why do so many seem like they're ADHD? Their attention spans last two minutes. The sad truth was summed up by a friend of mine who works at a college, and his friend said this. These kids talk about changing the world, but they won't stay committed long enough to even change their campus. One dean asked this. Will students change the world, or will they change their minds instead? This is the paradox of being part of the millennial generation. Students have a strong belief that they can transform society, but find it difficult to stick to an idea once the novelty of that idea wears off. It is easier to return to the comfort of their iPhones, iPods, and cell phones. Wait, iPods and cell phones. I added in iPhones. According to the weekly Reader's Insider Survey, listen to this, half of students ages 6 to 18, believe that one kid could change the whole world. Unfortunately, only 31% are actually doing any volunteer work that aligns with that belief. In other words, their optimism doesn't always equal action. Let's face it, we should have predicted this. Many of them grew up being affirmed for every step they took, winning trophies, ribbons, prizes, and pats on the back for anything, even finishing in ninth place. Parents clapped for everything. Few learned anything about perseverance. If a child failed, parents often swept them away before it could hurt their self-esteem. Unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. And as an adult, work isn't always that rewarding. Projects can come hard and slow, and when colleagues don't continue to affirm commitment, it's difficult to sustain that commitment. Ouch. A passionate calling is not void of perseverance. It will require perseverance. For many young people, when you experience difficulty, you feel like God has deserted you. But he hasn't deserted you. Perhaps he's disciplining you. Perhaps your difficulty is not him deserting you. It's him disciplining you. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father. Perhaps your hardship is God disciplining, not leaving you. Persevere. So, 
Look within yourself for passion that is focused on the needs of others and passion that will sustain through adversity. Let me just give you a few thoughts, just kind of brief thoughts about passion uh, that don't really go into uh, a point necessarily. I just want to give them to you. Number one is this. Uh, Take time. It takes time to experience a variety of things. It takes time to experience in life what you're passionate about. Many of you are 18 years old, right out of high school, You don't have a whole lot of life experience to even know what you're passionate about. It takes time. Be okay with that. So while you're young, run amok. Figure it out. doesn't mean run stupid and be stupid. It just means, man, do things while you're young that you can't do when you're older. And please do not take this out of context. You know what I'm not saying. But here's what I'm saying. Go, Go on a mission trip. You know what's really hard to do when you're my age with a wife and a kid? Be gone for two weeks to Cambodia. I can't do that. But you know what? You may be able to. While you're young, man, take time to experience things and, and ask questions, man. What, am, what is God calling me to do? Can I volunteer somewhere? Can I give time somewhere? Experience different things. It takes time. Second thing, it's easy to take on the passion of people you respect, but eventually you must figure out what lights your own fire. It's easy to take on the passion of people you respect, and and part of that is normal, and it's okay, but at some point, you're going to have to figure out what lights your fire. What are you passionate about? And determine if you want to go after it. And then thirdly, I would say this, no one can keep your flame lit but you. It's no one's responsibility. It's not your parents, not a professor's, and not a pastor's responsibility to keep your flame lit for your purpose and for your calling. It's yours. Okay, now we've talked about passion. You guys know what you're passionate about? You clear? (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) So let's talk about talents. Let's talk about capacity. The reason passion and talent Uh, go hand in hand is because at some point they have to mix, right? Passion and talent at some point have to go together. We've all seen the American Idol stuff, right, where someone has really, really high passion but very, very low talent. It's hilarious, right? At some point, somebody's got to look at these people and go, hey, really glad that you love singing, really glad that it lights your fire but you got to know you really suck. Like, I don't think this is God's calling on your life because passion and talent are not mixing in this area, you know? So I don't know if any of you have the guts to tell your friends that, that they suck. Maybe that's not your role in life, but someone's got to tell them. Listen, rarely will God call you to something that you don't have a natural gifting in. Now, this can get blurry, but I want you to hear me. Rarely will God call you to something that you don't have a natural gifting in. And people say, well, Moses, you know, Moses had a speech impediment, and yet God used him. Right. But if you look at Moses' life, Moses actually had a capacity, a strength, a talent, I guess you could say, that continue to repeat itself over and over and over again. I want to read to you another part of Moses' story in Exodus chapter 2, 
verse 16. Now, we've, we've read through kind of the beginning of Moses' life. Now, we fast forward to the point where he uh, is wandering in the desert, and he's escaped Egypt, and he's just kind of doing nothing right now. And here's what Exodus chapter 2, verse 16 says. It says, Now a priest from Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. And some shepherds came along and drove them away, drove the daughters away. But Moses got up, came to their rescue, and watered their flock. And when the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughters. Well, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Interesting. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. Here's what I want you to hear. God crafted Moses with a specific uh, set of abilities, strength, talent, gifting that kept repeating itself. Everywhere Moses went, he was trying to deliver someone. Back in Egypt, he saw the injustice happening. And what did he do? He delivered that person. Here in this passage, the girls, the shepherd girls, he sees them being mistreated. And what does he do? He rescues them. He delivers them. God gave Moses a specific set of abilities that helped him be a deliverer of people. And now in the future, what we see Moses do is deliver the entire nation of Israel. That was who he was. Passion and talent, gifting, capacity are usually connected. We all know that guy or girl who is really passionate about something but not very good at it, right? You know that person is the person next to you? Don't raise your hand, that's all. <laughs> Think about this. Passion. If you love math, but you, <laughs> but you can't get better than a C in all of your math classes, do you think God's calling you to be an engineer? Like, could he? Yeah, he could. But if what we're saying is true and God gives us clues in life to where he's calling us and what his purpose is, passion and talent aren't linking up on that. I just use the obvious example. If you're really passionate about music, leading worship, but you can't sing or you have no musical ability, is God calling you to be a worship pastor? I mean, I guess he, he could, but I doubt it. Like I said, I'm not giving you answers. I'm just telling you where the clues are. If, if you, and think about it, it goes the other way. If you're really talented in math, you get all A's, but you hate math. Is God calling you to be an engineer? No, passion and talent, they go together. If, if, you, if you're really passionate about law and justice and that kind of thing, uh, but you're, you, you're, not a good, you're not good at debating. You, could, you didn't make the debate team in high school. I don't know. Do you try out for that or you just join it? I don't know. You were terrible on the debate team in high school. Is God calling you to be a lawyer? No, I, I doubt it. Passion and talent usually 
connect to each other. I, for, for me, I'll just give you an example. I, uh, I told you last week, I went into college thinking I was going to be like a physical therapist. I really had no clue what I wanted to do. I just knew that I loved sports, and I enjoyed exercise, so somehow I connected those, and, and so I enjoy like the anatomy of the body and how it works and all that kind of thing. So that's what I was going after. And uh, like my sophomore year of college, I had to take the worst class in history called anatomy and physiology. And anybody, anybody? And I'm telling you this, guys. My passion for this was pretty high, but I could not pass this class for the life of me. So first semester, I had to withdraw from the class. You know, you get that period of time where you're like, this ain't going so well. I better back out of this. I had to withdraw from the class, and then the second time I registered for it, I just flat out failed the thing. got an F on it, so then I had to take it a third time. I'm still taking anatomy and physiology today, y'all. I'm just kidding. I'm not. But (laughs) it was like my senior year. I was taking this class for the third time. I could not pass the thing, and at some point, I stepped back, and I went, okay, Austin, perhaps your passion and talents aren't lining up. I mean, if you're going to do this with your life, but you're terrible at it, maybe this is not where God's leading you. And I'm so grateful to God because it was just at the right time where God started unfolding what I believe he was calling me to do with my life. And I started getting a chance to go and preach at places on this team that I was on. And I started kind of being part of different ministries and that kind of thing. And I had people affirming that in me like, hey, uh, you know, obviously you're not like the best preacher. You just started. And I don't think I'm the best today. And I think I have much room to grow But I had people going, hey, I think you ought to look into this. Like, your passion, you're very passionate about this, and you can do it. And that came at just the right time where I started going, okay, passion and talent are linked together. Maybe this is where God is leading me in my calling. There's this phrase out there, and and I want you to know I I believe it. It's it's the saying of, uh, you've probably heard it before, God doesn't. Uh, call the equipped, he equips the called. You ever heard that? God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And that's a very inspirational saying, and I agree with it in the context of this. You don't have to have it all together before God calls you to it. God will call you to something, and he'll give you a purpose, and you may not be the best at it. Listen, I surrendered my life to ministry before I really ever got a microphone. And so I was, I was speaking at some things here and there, and I was getting an opportunity, to, but I never had a stage like this. So God called me before I was really equipped. So that's what that means. But usually God's calling on your life is tied to your talents. So take a look at where you're gifted. Take a look at your capacity. And most of us understand this when it has to do with a specific skill. If you are going after something in life that has a specific skill, like preaching or playing guitar or, you know, being a lawyer or being a doctor, there's specific skills in that, and that makes sense. Okay, am I good at that? No. Am I good at this? Yes. That's easy to break down. Where this gets a little bit muddy is where you start going, okay, I don't really think I have a specific gifting. Like, I'm not really talented in really anything. Like God hasn't given me a specific skill that I'm going after. Then this conversation starts to get a little bit muddy. I think that's where most of us get hung up at. And this is what I would say. If you don't have that specific thing, 
God has given you capacity. God has given you strengths. God has given you things inside of you that make up who you are. And the best thing you can do is discover what your capacity is and look to increase it. I, I want to show you this little example. You're probably wondering what this sippy cup is doing on the table. Um, each of these cups was designed with a specific purpose. This is a sippy cup. This cup was designed with the person who would be using it in mind. A baby, low capacity, not a whole lot of like motor skills. This cup is not spilling unless the baby sucks on it, right? Very low capacity. Let's move up. This, eh, let's go with this one first. This is a to-go cup. We'll just say a to-go cup. It's got a lid on it. This cup was designed with a specific purpose in mind. For those who may be driving, maybe don't want to spill, they're going to be walking a little bit crazy in a hurry, that kind of thing. Middle capacity. This cup was designed for someone who was going to have high capacity. Very careful, right? They don't want to spill. Stuff can spill out of this very, very easily, right? You would not drive with this in your car. Maybe some of you would, but you got a nasty car, and I'd never go in it. <laughs> That's what that cup is for. We all have different capacities. And, and this isn't a, a, a uh, picture of value it's a picture of capacity. You have different capacities. You have different strengths. There are things that you thrive in that other people don't thrive in. Some people, some people perform better under pressure. How many of you perform better under pressure? You wait till the last minute to write your papers, that kind of thing. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an even kill dude. I don't, not a whole lot like ruffles my feathers. Well, who says that? That's like from my mom. I got to tell my mom I said that. Not a whole lot ruffles my feathers, you know, so I stay pretty even. I don't have high highs. I don't have low lows. I'm just kind of chill, right? So my wife has a hard time telling whenever I'm stressed because you can't really see it that easily. I just stay like that. Some people are the opposite. Some people, we all know you wear it on your face, your sleeve, everywhere. You wear that person's stress right there. Stay away from that person. They're going to they're gonna bite you or something, Right? Some people perform different under pressure. People have different strengths, different capacities. And the best thing that you can do is discover what your capacity is and look to increase it. And so I want to get super practical preacher on you tonight. And this is not a very inspirational talk. This is a hopefully a helpful talk. And I want to help you tonight, okay? So I want to give you a couple ways that you can begin to discover and increase your capacity because uh, discovering your capacity will require taking risk. And you're at a good point in life to begin taking risk or continue to take risk in life. So let me just go through them. Are you ready? You writing these down? We'll be done here in just a minute. First one is this. Risk working hard in small jobs. Jared, you can go ahead and come back up. Risk working hard in small jobs. Proverbs 12, verse 24 says this. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Be faithful in the small things, and you will be invited to do larger things. 
be faithful in the small things and you'll be invited to do larger things. If you're not faithful in the small things, you'll never get invited to the larger things. So if your job is working at Olive Garden, man, be faithful in the small things. Be faithful to do it well. If God's given you that opportunity, it's not your dream job. It's not your career. It's not what you want to do with your life. But practice it there. Increase your Gosh, you make me sound so good. <laughs> Golly. And people wonder why others are getting breaks and they're not. And I would propose to you that usually they're not getting breaks they're working hard while you're slacking. Risk working hard in small jobs. In your laziness, you never get invited in. You will miss what God is calling you to do. Potential gets locked up in laziness. So you are in a season of life where you have the mindset of one day I'll work hard whenever I have this dream job, one day, one day, one day. And I wanna encourage you tonight, today, whatever it is God has opened the door for you to do, take advantage of it and do it. It may not be what you wanna do with the rest of your life, great. Go after it now. Look for ways to add value. Just super practical. Wherever you're working at, look for ways to add value. Because this is what happens. When you begin to look for ways to add value, usually your value comes in arenas that you're good at. Your boss or somebody's going to recognize you're adding value and go, that person's really gifted in this arena. And they will invite you into it. And then in that arena, you will begin to discover your strengths, your capacity, the things that you do really well. But only when you start to look for ways to add value. The problem is most of us don't look for ways to add value. Most of us look for areas to complain in. Most of us have a complaining heart. This, listen, it is so easy to walk around going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that sucks, that sucks. Someone should do something about that. But who's going to step up and go, I can add value into that? Man, this applies to church world, to everything. Who's going to step up and go, I can add value to that? We got people leaving churches everywhere because they didn't make them feel comfortable. Well, maybe you can jump on the team and help us make others feel comfortable. So look for areas where you can add value into. Somehow in our heads, we believe that we can slack off at our job now because it's a small job. But later on, when we get the job we want, we suddenly start working hard. It's a lie. It doesn't happen. How you work in your job is character. It has nothing to do with where you're working at. Second thing, I would say, not only do you risk working hard in small jobs, risk striving for excellence. In this season of your life, you're looking to increase your capacity, risk striving for excellence. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. Skilled in his work. I like uh, 
I like this guy. He's a famous coach, Vince Lombardi. He says this, and I love the quote. He says, the quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. The quality of a person's life is, is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence. And you don't have to over-spiritualize capacity. You have a responsibility to steward your potential and to maximize it. So you are not a worship leader just because you love Jesus and own a guitar. No, you actually have to be good at it. It's truth. So steward your potential and maximize it. Get better. Improve. Someone out there is striving to get better. You should too. Number three, risk trusting honest feedback. This is so hard. Trust honest feedback. Before you can trust it, you got to ask for it. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Listen, ask people what they think you're good at. If you have no idea, ask someone. What, hey, you've, you've been around me a little bit. You've watched me. What do, you, what do you think God's gifted me in? What do you think I'm good at? What can, what can, how can I add value? What is it that is God has placed inside of me? What do you see? Give people permission to say what they think. Give people permission to say what they see. And ask for honest feedback. Honesty, not brutality, will help people uncover their unique design. So you don't have to be brutal in it. Just be honest in it. It will help people uncover how God has designed them. So I want to close with this. God has given you unique intensity and unique capacity to accomplish exactly what he wants you to accomplish. So don't ignore it. Where has he given you passion and talent? Perhaps your passion and your talent can lead you to where he's calling you into your future. 